These three scenarios are different sides of the same thing. First, why does this bird know how to be a bird better than I know how to be a person? Why are life situations and choices for us people confusing and ambiguous? Like the bird has the bird program package. Here's how you build a nest. Here's why you need a nest. Here's what to eat. Here's what you need to try to do in life. Here's what you don't need to try to do. But we as humans are usually just guessing. What is life? What am I? But not always. Why are there stories where, in times of great tragedy, people suddenly just know what to do? Like they've tapped into some human instinct. And where does that information usually hide? Is it local in each of us? Is it in a metaphysical cloud of some kind? There are lots of things talking about intuition, how to harness it, and so on. We're looking to find this inner voice that sorts life out for each of us. That gives us some kind of leg up. But a leg up on what? Exclusive information? Some kind of GPS for my own personal destiny? If I did cultivate or find intuition, what would I be trying to do with it? It's obvious there's a lot we don't know about life, but what out of all that is really worth knowing? And what does all this have to do with the way that old Tupperware smells? Stay tuned. Hey everybody, welcome back to Swedenborg in Life. Today we're talking about intuition. My name is Curtis Childs, and I'll be your host, and I can tell that beside me is Dr. Jonathan <laughs> Rose. Welcome to the program. That was impressive. Yeah, so you've heard intuition, right? There, you've, you've seen people kind of with programs and that sort of stuff around it. Right, develop your intuition, become more intuitive, yeah. So I'm wondering, if intuition is this hip thing, what are we trying to do with it? What's the point of intuition in the first place? Mm, what's the highest goal you could achieve by having that. the holy grail of intuition would that be to know facts that are that are un, that should be unknowable to you i mean if so swedenborg had that nailed you know there's the, the famous account of the, the stockholm fire right? yeah amongst many experiences of clairvoyance that he demonstrated uh, not to show off or anything but he was at this party one time in july of 1759 very agitated and they said why he's in gothenburg it's right. on one side of sweden stockholm is on the other side where he lived and he said, Stockholm's on fire, raging conflagration. Yeah. And then uh, after a couple of hours, he's pacing up and down and everything. Then he says, whew, the fire stopped just a couple of doors down from my house. Now this was amazing, because then word came, people rode horses through the weekend or whatever yeah. and said, yeah, there was this raging fire and it stopped just two doors down from his house. And so that was astounding for that time. However, if right now we were sitting on this show and I said, whoa, there's a fire near my house. You might be worried, but you wouldn't say that's amazing. That is a stuff. How did you do that? Uh, or because technology's made it obsolete. It <laughs> yeah. can do the same thing. Or let's say I knew something about your life. Oh, t you know, two days ago you were uh, at the fair. That's because social media has has given us that insight. That wouldn't as well. be the highest thing that you could get out of intuition. So if if it's if you can if, get that a different way. If technology can make it obsolete, it doesn't seem like a, this great spiritual pursuit. So is it is it more that Intuition should be a way you can make contact with the spiritual world. That if you can get some kind of spiritual input, then you've got good intuition. Well, it would sound like that would be so cool. Yeah. But Swedenborg says, even there we have a bit of a problem. Like, if you have a person on earth over here, and there's a community of spirits, and all of a sudden this person on earth has the intuition to be able to tell what the community of spirits is thinking. Yeah. I mean, oh, great, I get access to this whole new body of thought. Yeah. No, says Swedenborg. 
they're drawn to you, they're in touch with you because they think what you are already thinking. Yeah. So if what you're thinking is false, they're people who are also in that same, they're just people like you a couple of years on, they're thinking the same thing. So it just yeah. reinforces the dumb thing that you're already thinking. <laughs> no offense. Yeah. So, so it doesn't, just breaking the veil doesn't mean you get something out of it. Actually though, there is a sort of spiritual superpower Swedenborg describes that, mm. that isn't just getting that feeling, but it's knowing the quality and source of that feeling. And that would be Whoa. the intuition that we're looking for. Oh, if you could tap in and then you could tell, oh, that's false. That's the yes. same false thing I'm thinking. Now, yeah. he doesn't use the word intuition. You search his works, it doesn't no, really that's come right. up. But there's an analog that he uses, Yeah, right? the word perception is the word you want. Yeah. Okay, so if we swap those two, this is how he describes perception. People today have no idea what perception is. It is an inner feeling for whether a thing is true and good a feeling that can come only from the Lord. And that could apply to things in the spiritual world, but that could also apply just to your interactions with other people or situations yeah. here, right? Because we have access to you know, all kinds of knowledge now. There's a lot of people that are making contact with the spiritual world. The thing that's truly valuable though is to know wherever this comes from, is this good? Yeah. Is this true? Yeah, and or that, not. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So that sounds like something we would love to be able to achieve, and, and right. we would love to actually help you all achieve it. So we're gonna dig into just what this perception is. Perception corresponds to smell, meaning that the role smell plays for us physically, perception plays spiritually. To illustrate this, let's say you have leftovers that have been in the fridge for six days. If you wanna know if they're still good, smell helps us learn if they're safe. We naturally link our physical smell to our ability to perceive the quality of things. That's why if something seems morally dubious, we say, well, that doesn't pass the smell test. And this is most potently applied to our own thoughts and feelings. All life comes out of God, and we have been built to be able to receive this life from God, but it doesn't all come directly from God. Sometimes by the time it gets to us, we're not the first to have gotten our hands on it. Human beings are part of this large-scale consciousness chain. There's stuff that comes right out of God, there's stuff that comes to us from God through heaven, and there's stuff that comes to us through hell. The inflow comes into consciousness for all of us in the thoughts and the feelings that we have. So Swedenborg wrote that early people who were in a spiritual state had lucid perception about a thought or a feeling that came to them. They perceive not only how much is from the Lord and how much is seemingly from themselves, but also, when it does seem to originate in themselves, where it comes from. That is, they perceive which angels it comes from, what those angels are like, what all their different thoughts are, and so what the various influences are, along with countless other factors. There's even a kind of perception that lets you tell whether God wills, accepts, or tolerates something. So divine providence is the gatekeeper on events. Out of all the things that come up in the human heart, we try to do, we try to get accomplished. Only certain ones are allowed to come to pass, and some of them God is wanting to happen, saying this is how I would do things. Others, okay, maybe this is not how I would do things in a perfect world, but let's let's go with this. Whereas some events, and you can imagine the kind of horrible things that do happen, God doesn't want those to happen. God is saying, I will barely tolerate this only because in the end, this will bring about good. Everything leads to the good end, but the road to get there is not always ideal. It's a fascinating concept, and for a little more on that, check out our episode, Why Bad Things Happen. 
And this perception is almost like instinct. You don't have to calculate it out, it just happens to you. But what would that feel like to have perception happen to you? We've got some accounts in modern near-death experiences that I think are describing this exact same thing. This one is from Lance Richardson. He says, more teaching was occurring inside me. I realized that the truth of the words conveyed to me had brought an additional level of peace and warmth to my soul. I knew it was truth, for I could feel it was so. Truth can be discerned by its feeling, and that, that's perception in a nutshell. When we hear or are given truth, it brings a burst of warmth and additional strength of what they call spirit. It is light to our souls. It matters not whether this truth conveyed is concerning spiritual laws of repentance or the laws of physics used in the creative process. Each is truth, and truth is always witnessed within us by the illuminating light and warmth of this spirit. It was measured not by how it lines up with the factoids that you already know, but by the impact on your spirit. And that might seem like, well, okay, he can feel that when he's all out there in this hyper-spiritual experience, but at its core, perception is really practical. It's just being able to tell that there's a difference between what comes straight out of God and what comes straight out of hell. That In our mind, there's this meeting place of these two completely different things, but to us, they can kind of seem the same, which is crazy. Even if you don't believe in God or hell, um, there is this human condition where things that are really bad and things that are really good can seem equally cool to us. <laughs> For example, uh, you can think that something that makes like a, a meaningful social insight and brings us together and sort of pulls down some ego layers is funny, some kind of really insightful joke, but also the next video in your feed can be somebody who's getting seriously hurt or humiliated and it's like, ah, oh, that's funny too. That those things seem the same to us. They're totally different in character and impact and what they really are. You can get a feeling of excitement knowing that you are going to do something positive, that, that the next few moments can deliver something helpful. But then also, I remember being a stupid teenager and I was saying, oh, I'm going to go deface this thing, and that's exciting. The danger, will I get caught? Those are not the same, but they can sort of feel the same. Fulfillment, you can get this deep satisfaction and fulfillment from knowing that you're changing the world and that you're accomplishing something that's going to last and going to do what you feel like is right. The worst criminal behaviors, uh, people get fulfillment from achieving their nefarious goals as well. It may not feel exactly the same, but it's close enough. That's, that's crazy. So it's all based on how they feel to us. We have this, this um, illegitimate uh, comparison of these two, and they're, really, they're completely different. That one is coming out of God, so this is streaming out of the source of everything that's good, if you think about the best parts of human relationship and everything you feel like is right with the world, that that's the, the factory in which this good stuff is made, then the other stuff comes out of hell, which as described by Swedenborg, really sucks. It's everything that we know we don't like about life. Those two products should not feel the same to us. Perception is just knowing, oh, one of these things is, is not like the other. So it feels like it's something that's got to be in the human mind. We couldn't survive practically without it. Um, but it's not just that you have perception or you don't. Getting to perception can actually take a couple of different forms. To talk about the two different forms that perception takes, we need to talk about containers in the mind and something that happened in the human mind many, many years ago. It turns out that the ultimate container for knowledge is love. If you were at a party and someone said, hey, I want to give you a scoop of ice cream, you can take it home. He said, I have nothing to put it in. What do we put the truth in? What is the container for that knowledge? Take land animals and animals of the sky as an example. They possess all knowledge relevant to what they love. What they love is to feed themselves, keep themselves safe, 
reproduce, and raise their young, so they have all the information they need. The information is embedded in those different kinds of love and flows into those loves as containers designed just for it. In some animals, the knowledge is so astounding that it can only leave a human speechless. It is said to be inborn and is called instinct, but it belongs to the love the animals have. If our own proper love, love for God and our neighbor, the peculiarly human love that distinguishes us from animals, were active in us, we would have all necessary knowledge. Not only that, we would also possess all understanding and wisdom without any need to learn them. They would flow down from heaven, or rather, from the deity through heaven, into our love for God and for our neighbor. So Swedenborg says this astounding thing that originally the human race had a different kind of mind in the sense that the will and the intellect was united and people had this love of God and love of the neighbor that gave them this heavenly mindset. And one of the byproducts of this mindset was this amazing perception so that whenever they encountered something, they could see, is it true or false? Is it good or evil? They could tell that right away because of this divine inflow that was flowing into their love of God and love of the neighbor, which was a container for this knowledge, this perception, this ability to recognize what was right in front of them. And this is what was originally designed to be the proper human instinct, the, the ability to tell what is good and true. Over time, though, this got corrupted. What happened was that our vessel flipped upside down. We got much more interested in self-centeredness and materialism. And because we weren't receiving that divine inflow in the same way, that clouded our view of what is true and good. It obscured this perception and that inner light was extinguished. So, all was not lost, we just needed a different way to get there. It's a little complicated, but let me try to walk you through it. So you read something, or you have some mentor, or some teacher, or somebody tells you some spiritual concept, that goes into your intellect. It's not talking about the will yet. Into your intellect, you learn and think. And that goes into your conscience when you want to live by it. You take from your intellect principles to live by. The divine can inflow into that and build inside our will some sense of neighborly love that starts to replace our selfishness and gives us a clearer insight bit by bit. Over time, as this flow is happening, it starts to push back that self-centeredness and materialism that was in us so that we get clearer and clearer insight over time. It's a less direct route, but it still works. Interestingly, this gives us two options our distant ancestors only had one option, but we actually have two. We can operate from conscience or we can operate from perception. There are two different modes of doing this. And the spiritual angels operate from conscience. This is how it works, Divine Love and Wisdom 427. People who are moved by spiritual love have wisdom written on their memory. So they talk about divine truths and do them on the basis of the principles they hold in their memory. But celestial angels work in a different way where they're directed by perception like the most ancients because they've gone even farther through this process. And it's possible for us to reach that same point. When you get to that point, then when you hear information or see a situation, you instinctively know what is true and good. You know who's lying. You know what you ought to do. And that's because 
Those type of people and angels are all about taking action. Here's Divine Love and Wisdom 427 again. People who are moved by heavenly love have wisdom written not on their memory, but on their lives. This is because they do not talk about divine truths. It's not a debate society. They simply do them. And that action comes directly from love, as we read in Heaven and Hell 271. Angels of the third heaven are centered in love for the Lord, and that love opens the deeper levels of their mind to the third level and is open to and retentive of all wisdom. So the interesting question then becomes, what is it that is blocking us from perception? So why don't we have perception? What's blocking us from it? Well, we, yeah, we're in a messed up spiritual state as the human race, but there's actually a very specific, fascinating fulcrum that Swedenborg says this whole thing swings on. He says, as long as spirits, you and I being spirits, by the way, imagine that they lead themselves and that they think for themselves and gain knowledge, intelligence, and wisdom for themselves, they cannot have perception. Instead, they consider perception to be stuff and nonsense. Hands up, who feels like they lead themselves, right? Or that they think for themselves. It's a wild idea that God is actually with us, not just partnering in life, but actually steering life in a lot of ways for us. I will say, don't worry, you're not gonna have to leave your current mindset totally behind. Swedenborg says, since no one can be reformed except in freedom, our freedom is never taken away from us as far as the appearance is concerned. It's always gonna seem like we're operating solo. It is an eternal law that we each be free on deeper levels, free in feeling and thought, that is in order that a desire for goodness and truth can be instilled in us. If we were not free in everything we think and everything we will, the Lord would be wholly unable to inject into us the freedom to think what is true or will what is good. In order to be reformed, we have to see ourselves as thinking truth on our own and doing good on our own. What we seem to be to do on our own, we do freely. If this were not so, there would be no such thing as reformation or rebirth. It's kind of like a catch-22 because you have to pull goodness and truth into yourself, which actually you can't pull in, only God can stick in, but nothing stays with us except for what we feel like we're receiving in freedom and then can therefore love. So it has to seem like we're doing it on our own in order for it to work. If, if that's not clear enough, we're going to lay it out in four steps. So this is the process of our reformation and how we can go to having perception. In the first state, we know that growing spiritually, uh, evolving, gaining enlightenment is something cool, but we want to be able to do it ourselves. Or we feel like, oh, that's something I could accomplish because at, in our unregenerated state, there has to be some merit in there, some kind of goal or reward for us. As we're on that quest, though, to fix up ourselves, we come across the concept that all goodness and truth comes from the Lord and is the Lord. And this in Swedenborg and other traditions as well. So once we've armed that into our mind and we are able to slosh it around in there and weigh it, it can bring us to the second state where we know that even though it feels like we're the ones driving this self-improvement ship, it's actually God who is doing that. Okay, I get that concept. It would make sense that there has to be a divine omniscient actor doing these amazing things. But still, there's a part of us that wants to be the hero in the story and it seems like we're doing it ourselves. So that lingers. But as we work on it, we move on to this third state, which is where we actually believe that because of the subtlety of the progress and the amazing things in our life that we never could have orchestrated, we know this is God doing this. That way, 
we actually, no one has to compel us anymore. But if we get through that, and the Swedenborg says to get there takes a lot of confirming truth. We have to take these ideas and need to put enough weight on them to help us in life situations till we get to the point where we actually solidly believe them. That can move us into this fourth state. This is an angelic state. It's very hard to get there while we're in this life, but you can uh, count on it in the afterlife if you put this work in. And that's where we don't just believe, but we know. We perceive that God is there giving us the ability to be reformed, the goodness and the truth that make this amazing miracle of us getting a new life possible. Swedenborg says, all angels have this kind of freedom and even enjoy an actual perception that it is so. The very deepest angels sense how much they receive from the Lord and how much comes from themselves. The more freedom they receive from the Lord, the happier they are, but the more it comes from themselves, the unhappier they are, which is funny because you'd think I, the best thing to have in my life is me, but they're like, no, get, I want to get out of my own way here. To recap, the process we go through happens in four stages. We're reformed. At first, we think that we think truth and that we do good things as of ourselves, but over time, we learn and then know and then believe and finally perceive that all goodness, all truth, all life, all possibility to grow in a good direction comes from the Lord. And then we start into this wonderful world of perception. So what would that actually feel like? What would it be like unfolding in your 21st century mind? Well, we're going to go hang out with our friend, author Peter Rhodes, who does a great job of illustrating the nitty gritties of what it feels like to be on this path. Well, the kingdom of heaven is within you, it's within me, it's within everyone. So everyone has angelic perception. <clears throat> the reason I generally do not experience angelic perception is because my focus of attention through my ego is about me. So it's personal. What do people think of what I said? And, you know, how's my new car look compared to my neighbor? Or I wish I hadn't said that. Or, you know, the self-concern. So, mm -hmm. you know, in the foreground is all this internal mental noise, the monkey mind, all about me. Mm -hmm. Well, life isn't at all about me. So in the process of starting to surrender these self-centered thoughts, self-centered feelings, you start to make space at uh, first, it's just what we call paying attention to the space between thoughts, called meditation. Mm -hmm. It becomes a quiet space. And interruptions will come from the ego, the sense of self, as, oh, I don't know if I should have said that. Why did they make me pay for the meal? I'm always paying, you know, mm -hmm. all that. And you keep dropping that, and you end up with a quiet silence. And at first, it's like, well, this is boring. Why? Because the only thing that interests me is me, and now I've let go of all the things concerning me, and now it's empty. And then at that point, if you stay with that, trusting that letting go of concerns of self, love of self, and love of the world, letting go of that will open you to the influx that's already within you, but it's very subtle, very quiet, mm -hmm. hardly perceptible. The angels don't want you to perceive it as their thoughts. They want you to perceive their thoughts as, as if own. they're yours. Mm -hmm. So then you start to actually perceive. I was I had a, a friend who I was having some difficulty with, and I made a decision to try and let go of any negative thought about this person. And I drove by their yard, and they were struggling with something. And my immediate ego response was good. You know? <laughs> and then 
having this set that intention of dropping those mm -hmm. things, I dropped them, and then this knowing that I was going to stop the car and go help them came to me. It was a knowing. It wasn't a choice. It felt like I was doing it. But I knew from the prior experience myself was just ha happy he was having a hard time. Mm -hmm. And this knowing is so subtle, but it's so sure. Uh, it's not a freedom of choice. It's freedom choosing to do it. And you suddenly become aware of you're in this flow and you'll be doing what it's directing you to do. And it feels like you. Yeah. So that if that's and I think it's angelic perception. It's not that I'm an angel. Right. It's that. I have angels with me. There's a quote recently I read that said, perception is angels' thoughts or speech with the person. Mm. So my perception is actually a thought or the speech of the angels where I am in the spiritual world, in the world of thoughts and the world of feeling. That's what the spiritual world is. So. so with the idea that heaven and hell can play out in our minds, let's get a behind-the-scenes look at why we can't trust all our gut feelings before we've been regenerated. We all know how it is to be talking with other people about emotionally charged topics that we agree on. In that kind of conversation, we're all reinforcing each other's feelings and points of view. We all feel strongly that we know how things are and what needs to happen. But when we're not with that group anymore, we might think back and question whether all the points were actually true and whether the feelings were valid. It all certainly seemed true and valid in the heat of the conversation, but was it really? Would the feelings and points of view being affirmed be different if we had been talking with different people? The reality is, whether we see them or not, we're always interacting with a group of people. When we're in a lower ego state, we are in a crowd of negative spirits. Their negative thoughts and feelings flow into us, reinforcing our own state of mind, and it totally feels like the truth. In that state, negative feelings can feel valid and false ideas can feel true. If we make the effort to question and resist a lower ego state of mind, we can attract better spiritual company. We'll move into a better spiritual crowd. We'll have better quality thoughts and feelings flowing in that are a more accurate compass about how things are. The further we evolve in spiritual development, the more we can keep company with angels instead of lower spirits. We'll be influenced by an angelic view of what is true and good in the situations that come up. The journey of regeneration leads us toward a more clear and direct relationship with God, opening us up to God's point of view about what's true and good. And that's the simple and direct inflow that Swedenborg calls perception. Other confusing inner voices fall away, opening a channel to more clearly perceive the voice of God. So to get back to perception, you know, this instinct for what's good and what's true that human beings were meant to have, we got to do the regeneration process. Oh, is that all it takes? <laughs> Somehow you got to climb that mountain to get out of this self, this mire of self-centeredness and up to love of God, love of the neighbor, everything that's good. And I know it sounds easy, but how exactly do we do that? Yeah, well, I think that the way you don't do it is wanting control, wanting material gratification, wanting praise, refusing other perspectives, mm. everything that's associated with ego. Because that puts your vessel upside down and then that knowledge from God just can't come in and give you that perception. Yeah, and it's absolutely key to recognize and resist this self-centeredness and materialism because that blocks these signals from God. The recognition is so crucial to this whole thing we're talking about. Yeah, that's right. And, and if we're looking for that lucid sort of perception that, that just happens, we do have to load our mind up with spiritual teachings. Yeah, that's right. We don't get it. 
in our breakfast cereal anymore the way they did <laughs> way back when. Whatever That's right. they ate back then. Even if you don't understand everything yet, having that stuff in there is important, and, and it really gives us the tools to recognize this lower ego stuff. Swedenborg wrote this about it. It is similar with self-love, which is that self-centeredness. If the truth of faith has taught us that this love belongs to hell and therefore is hell, the goodness inside us uses its inner eye to draw itself a picture of self-love as hell. A picture that horrifies it. It's almost like a most wanted poster, you know, that's, in that's the post right, office right. or something. So as soon as we run into something selfish again, we sense that it is indeed selfish. The goodness in our will uses its eye to re-examine its picture of hell. Mm. The Lord then holds us back from anything selfish. And the more he holds us back, the purer our goodness is, the more we start to learn. So we update our our information. That's right. right. It keeps going. The desire to learn, you see, grows along with the good that love embraces, and it also increases as our goodness increases. In the end, we become sensitive to the different categories Ooh. and types of self-love. Whoa, you become a connoisseur. Of, yeah. And notice them inside ourselves. As a result, we become wiser and wiser. It reminds me of how, you know, some modern medicines are trying to teach your immune system. This is cancer. Yes. You know, here's how to recognize it. You want to fight it, don't you? And that's Absolutely. how they work. Absolutely. And yeah, as we go through that process, it, it ties in sort of to the cycle that, that we were talking about before. Mm. And if you're shunning evil, unlike that first picture we were looking at, <laughs> that's right. and you have a humble attitude and commitment to serve God and the neighbor, and you're putting goodwill into useful action, that starts a siphoning process where the things you're learning are coming into your conscience. That's allowing the divine to inflow. And to a greater and greater extent, you're getting a clearer vision of what's true, what isn't, what's good, and what isn't. And you even see a little hint of this in your reading of Scripture. Isn't it true that you can go back and read the same passage again, but now you get something different out of it because your mind is changing. You're evolving into a new state. Yeah, you're, you're able to sort of extract different minerals from it. And I think it's got to be tied into the desire to put those principles into life in the first place. Mm, that's, that's key. So, it's so essential. And Swedenborg says, The only individuals who can see whether the teachings of their religion are true are those who desire truth for the sake of putting it to use in their lives. Mm. a sort of subset of perception. People with this goal are constantly receiving light from the Lord, not only while they are living in the world, but afterwards as well. They alone can accept the truth because the Lord uses goodness to lead them, and by that means grants them the ability to see truth and thus to believe it. Mm. So this is something we need to practice day by day as things come up. But it could also help us if we were asking ourselves questions like these. Sure. You'd want to be asking, what does God want me to do in this particular situation? Mm. Or is my ego getting in the way here? That's right. What are the best ways that I can help and serve people? How can I support the greater good? Yeah. And then what can I learn from my mistakes? These are all open-ended and you're not necessarily going to know the answer. But if you're asking that, that breaks down this natural inclination to say, we've got all the answers. Who cares what anyone else thinks? It just puts you in the space where this inflow could come in. That's right. You get away from your native agenda and then you're able to see these things more and more clearly, the signal you're getting is better. That's all we're trying to do in this whole perception episode. Enable us to see the things that really matter more and more clearly. So hopefully we haven't just made the whole thing more confusing. But either way, it was fun doing it with you. It was so fun. Thanks, Thanks for being. Yep.
Human beings are meant to live with instinct, but not an instinct that tells us how to find physical food and water. Our instinct leads us to find what feeds and waters our soul, goodness and truth. We got to know how to find them and how to recognize them when we do. And we are meant to have this abundant intuition or perception that's our companion and guide in life. And with the kind of perception that angels have, we can tell with our own thoughts and feelings, is this from heaven or from hell? So the nature of God, life after death, everything that we call spiritual, it wouldn't be theoretical or a point of faith. It would be as obvious and as clear as the world around us. Nobody needs to tell me that a tree is a tree. I can just see it for myself. Even though it doesn't sound that graceful, this is how our spirit smells things. But think about it. Think about the things that we get trapped and entangled in, like the life situations, the beliefs, the thought patterns. Imagine how cool it would be to just when those things even approach, to be able to say, nah, that reeks. I'm not messing with that.